Good morning. Good morning. And welcome to the second Sunday of Advent. Please join with me with the call to worship found in your bulletin. In this season of Advent, let us receive God's grace and peace as our awareness of God becomes unveiled with the birth of every new moment. In every hour of us. In, ev- in each new heartbeat of hope. In every day of our lives. This is God's gift offered to us. This is the gift of life, filled with ordinary moments, but made holy by our Let us attend now to the unfolding of God's peace in us and among us. Let us attend to the dawning of God's hope, breaking forth in the world, and to the whispers of God's peace. Let us join together in worship. Please join me in prayer. Surprising and majestic God of love and light, We are so aware, especially during this season, how your presence sets wonder, hope, peace, love, and joy into motion. And as we gather in our time of worship, reflection, reverence, and celebration, like Mary, we too are filled with amazement at how you have found favor with us. And just as you chose to be present long ago, through the prophets, and through the birth of Christ Jesus, you choose now, again and again, to be present through our living spirit, through your love, through all who work for peace, and through our own families, friends, and neighbors. And so it is that we celebrate the fullness of your presence today in every bit of hope peace, love, and joy in our lives and in our corners of the earth. And in those places where it is absent, we celebrate your presence by creating it through our dedication and effort. So God, may you continue to bless us in this way, this moment, this day, and this season, as we pray together in the way Christ taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. 
And Merry Christmas. What a wonderful, wonderful day it is. What beautiful morning. Ignore the afternoon. Where apparently it's going to rain torrentially and make us cancel our all-church caroling party. So that's my first sad announcement. But uh, we'll see if we can figure something else about. But we welcome you all here. And um, wherever you are or wherever you are on your faith journey, you have a place and a home here where you are welcome. Uh, and that includes children and their noises. So nobody worry about what might be happening there. Um, if you wouldn't mind taking your friendship registers found on the outside aisles of uh, both sides of your pews, sign your name, <clears throat> be sure to greet one another. Um, that is a way that we make sure that you all get to know one another's names, and that's how we take secret attendance that we'll never confess to. Just kidding. We don't. We don't. Um, all right, so a couple of really important things to talk about today. First and foremost is uh, we are going to not end our service in when we have the benediction. That usually indicates the time for you all to get up and go, but you are going to stay seated, um, if you would, because immediately following uh, the service, we have the uh, very fun and very historic. Um, this will be only the 13th search committee that has been formed in the 180 years of Southport Congregational Church. Um, and it is your right and responsibility as church members to vote on the future of your church. And that first opportunity will follow the service where uh, Tamberlin Chapman, our uh, moderator, will present the slate of nominees for the Senior Minister Pastoral Search Committee. So it won't take very long. We're going to have you all stay. And then after that, we're going to go into Fellowship Hall and have a cookie extravaganza like you have never known, brought to you by our Fellowship Committee. Um, and then I'm going to run through very quickly these announcements because it is Christmas time and we do a lot here at SCC. All of the details are in your bulletin. I'm just going to highlight some things for you. So first, um, the All Church Caroling Party has been canceled due to the weather. There are a few gift um, giving tree gift tags left. If you didn't get one last week, 44 of them went out the door faster than we could uh, take them off the tree, basically. Um, and so what we're asking for now is gift, uh, gift cards. And why that might not be a very sexy thing to buy um, at Christmas time, it's a really, really great gift. Because what happens is we give that gift card and the person who receives it now has the opportunity to go shopping for themselves, which is a something we take for granted, but something that gives them a great sense of dignity and pride. So we are asking for, um, I think it's 10 gift cards um, out there on the giving tree if you would like to share. Uh, we have a kirtan tonight with um, uh, Scott Whitmore, uh, an almost lifelong member of the church, and, uh, and Matthew Quervost, who is going to be a new member of the church as of today. Uh, Scott and Matthew have been friends since their time of serving with Ram Das in Hawaii, and um, Matthew is joining us. You'll hear more about that. Uh, but 7 o'clock in the sanctuary tonight for kirtan. You can read about that. 
You also will find in your pews on the edges these papers if you would like to help with Christmas donations for these beautiful decorations and you do it in honor or in memory of someone, you do it through that sheet. Um, also on Wednesday, December 13th, we have our Blue Christmas worship service. This is an in-person experience um, and what it is is it takes a moment to recognize that Within the joy and peace and love and happiness of Christmas, there can also be sorrow and sadness for missing the people that we love and care for. So this is an opportunity to come to remember those people. We ask you to send in names and we do a roll call. Um, GFA's uh, acapella group, Harbor Blues, is going to sing. And it's just a beautiful moment to take a moment to remember those whom we love who have died. Um, and one of those people, I hope you saw it in your e-blast, um, but one of those people uh, was Pam Poling's sister who um, 12 days ago was diagnosed with cancer and she died on Saturday. So very quick and very sad loss for Pam and her family and actually all of us because we, those polling girls, there are seven of them. They're a mighty force. Um, and so we send uh, their, our love to her uh, and to her family. And then next week, there is the best party of the year, the Parsonage Open House, Christmas Open House. Uh, it's an adult, uh, adult um, party, and it, it starts at 5 o'clock on the 17th, and sometimes it goes to the wee hours, but we're going to ask maybe that we're going to shut it down, not at the wee hours, but uh, starts at 5 o'clock, so anytime after 5 o'clock, let's say 5 to 8 or 9, if you want to stop in for a, for a um, cup of joy, and Philip and Elaine will be playing carols around the piano, and and we all, Leslie, we all sing and have a crazy old time looking for Bo and Bo's not, a week that Bo's not here. Oh, he's doing a movie. Bo's in a movie. That's amazing. All right. Shh, don't tell anyone. All right. Um, we have a lot to go on today. So those are um, the main uh, announcements. And uh, one last, uh, women's tea. We're having our annual Christmas women's tea uh, for all women of the church. Uh, it's at Santa's house. I cannot publicly state where Santa lives. So uh, contact the church office if you're interested. But um, no, it's at uh, Irene and John Santa's house, 33 Chester Place, Thursday at 1130. Um, so so come on and join us. So at this time, it is my pleasure to welcome the Ryan family to come forward to light our second Advent candle. Today is the second week of Advent, a time that we prepare to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. We are here because we seek the peace that God's presence brings to our lives. God brought the message of peace into the world through Jesus. We pray that our world can soon be at peace, that all the fighting will stop, all the wars will end. We will do our best to make sure we help bring peace into this world. And so, on the second Sunday of Advent, we celebrate all the ways that God calls us to be a people of peace, to be a people who know that God is present in our lives. Let us join together in the responsive litany found in our bulletins. 
season of Advent continues. Last Sunday, the frail light of a single candle dared to pierce through the darkness of despair and bring hope into the world. We live our lives more abundantly when we live a life filled with hope. Today, we light the candle of peace. In the midst of all the struggles of our daily lives, God comes to us to provide tranquility and quietness. Isaiah wrote, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. We pray for the day when there will be no difference between the people of all nations, and justice will be granted to all. Amen. It is with hope in our hearts that we light this second candle of Advent, the candle of peace. It is with great joy that we now welcome the Chang family to come forward for a baptism. And, and yeah, and the godparents. And godparents, yes. Please come forward. Ah. <laughs> What an incredible joy. Cece, it is to have you here, honey. Oh, you can't see her, but she's smiling. She's beaming at the choir back there. Um, and she is beaming because she is so ready to be baptized. There you are. So ready to be baptized as third generation here in this church. And um, you all are doing a wonderful job giving your kids kids a start in this beautiful foundation. Um, and, and with that, um, we are just going to get right into the questions of the baptism, understanding that from the days of our ancestors, the church has taught us that the sacrament of baptism incorporates so many facets of our faith. It's a sign and seal of the covenant of God's grace. It's the, our union with Christ. It's the cleansing of heart and soul. It's the acceptance of our calling and our willingness to belong to God and to and our welcome into the household of faith. And so, Eliza and Jake, do you come now to commit yourselves and cease you to these things so that your love may help her grow into the love and order and fullness of God's will? If so, please say, it is. It is. Right. And also, do you promise to instruct Cece in the word of spirit and God 
and by your example to bring her up in the faith of our Lord, to teach her the principles of the Christian faith, to pray with her and raise her up in the fellowship of this church. So please say, I do. I do. All right. And as godparents, as Cece's godparents, do you promise to support her in the instruction and understanding of the love and will of God as understood through our scriptures and our traditions? And do you promise to support her parents in the fulfillment of their promises so that with the support of the greater church here, that Cece might be strengthened to live in a spiritual manner all the days of her life? If so, please say, I do. I do. I do. And now, as our congregation, you are the people who are members of this church and who are members of the greater church and body of, of Christ. And so let me invite all of you to please stand. <clears throat> and let's join together in our congregational words of welcome that you'll find in your bulletins. Please join with me. As the living and loving spirit of Christ, we as this family of faith receive Charlotte Jane Chang into our loving care. We promise to support her and her parents in their effort to guide her in the way of life and faith, and will provide through our own example the knowledge and love of God. Amen. Please be seated. And here she is. Hello, Muffin. And what is the full Christian name of your child? Charlotte Jane. Um, so before we baptize Charlotte Jane, I just want to remind you that the water that she is baptized comes from three sources. It comes from the River Jordan, where Jesus himself was baptized. It comes from the Sea of Galilee, where he spent most of his ministry. And it comes from Southport Harbor to remind us that we are grounded here in our home. So with that, Charlotte Jane, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This is, I'm stuck in there. This is your new sister in Christ. <laughs> and now cc may god bless you and keep you may god's face shine upon you and be gracious unto you may god lift his countenance upon you now and forevermore amen and on behalf of the church 
we offer you a rose, a symbol of love, her first Bible, and her uh, baptism certificate. So thank you, and God bless you. Nice to see you. And It is worth noting that the godfather is the father of the other newest Murphy child, Lulu, who we uh, have been celebrating for a couple weeks. So congratulations to you as well. And now we get to welcome some new members into our family of faith. And uh, as we, <laughs> we're, we're going to read your names. As we read your names, um, why, don't you, uh, why don't you please come forward and join us up front. So, Vic and Peggy Arrington, who were so eager, you were just ready to just jump up. Come on up. And Matthew Kervorst. Jan Schaefer, and Allison and Laura Favrika. I'm going to go get my papers. Come over on my side. Oh, okay. <laughs> there you go. Don't be afraid. That's right. Listen to these words from scripture. The Apostle Paul wrote, you are no longer strangers and sojourners, but you are equally citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus alone being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure is joined together and grows into a holy temple in Christ, in whom you also are built into it for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. By your baptism, you were made one with us in the body of Christ. And today, we rejoice in your spiritual journey that's brought you here, to this place, to this time. And we give thanks for every community of faith that's been your spiritual home in the past. And we celebrate your presence with us today and in the future. And as we said in the library before, both as participants and we look forward to and we welcome your leadership that's going to come. And so let me ask you this. This is the only part that we didn't practice here. But um, is it your desire to become a, a member of the Southport Congregational Church of our family of faith? And if so, please say it is. Understanding that not only have our new members come from many backgrounds and represent many faith traditions, so do all of you sitting in the pews. So I ask you to please stand and welcome our new members on behalf of the Church Universal. Let us join together in the words of welcome. And we believe God calls us to recognize the spirit of the living Christ 
as the most real and important thing in the universe. Will you join us in our striving to grow in this faith? We believe we are called to a daily commitment of letting God's Spirit remold our lives from within. Will you join us in our struggle to become more Christ-like in all areas of our lives? We believe we are called to be one family, bound together by love and therefore by practicing forgiveness and mercy to seek in every way to make that love believable for each other. Will you join us in seeking to fulfill this mutual ministry? We will strive to build the community of love Whether together or apart, we believe God calls us to embrace all people as brothers and sisters of the body of Christ and to embody God's love for them. Will you join us in our striving to carry out this mission? On behalf of the Board of Deacons and our whole church family, we welcome you and offer you your official certificate of membership and extend to you the uh, right hand of love of Christ. Good morning, congratulations and welcome. I'm glad you took part in the words, Joe.
As we enter a time together of quiet prayer and reflection and meditation, we ask you to keep the following people in your prayers. Prayers of thanksgiving for the baptism of Cece Chang, for the celebration of her new life in our church family and her embrace by God. For Pam Poling and her family following the death of her sister Joan on Friday. For Denise Karen Quinn following her surgery this last week. For Leah K. White's mother, Melinda Ruff, who fell and broke her hip and ankle and is now in rehab in Atlanta. Prayers for Leah Kay and her siblings as they navigate the decisions about care and life ahead for their mother. Continued prayers for healing of Roma Fanton, who also fell a couple of weeks ago and broke two ribs and her pelvis. And for Rosine Schlela, who went into the hospital this last week with a respiratory virus. For Philip Betancourt and his father, Nemesio, following his successful surgery this last week, we pray for rapid healing for Nemesio. And continued prayers for those enduring the fighting in Israel and Palestine. And we pray specifically for Amr and Kristen Nimmer and their extended family in Palestine and for church friend Vered Ravid and her family in Israel. With these prayers and the prayers on your own hearts and minds, let us be present with God. Loving God of peace, comfort, healing, and hope, as we rest in the serenity of this Advent season, anticipating the celebration of the coming of our Savior, we lift up our gratitude to you for giving us your Son to walk in solidarity with us. We lift up our gratitude to you, knowing that you never leave us, even though we may feel alone. We ask each day that we see your infinite love in all that sustains us in these sometimes challenging and anxiety-filled times. When we're dealing with death and sickness and loneliness, and even despair. We pray each day that we open our eyes and our ears to your call so that we might find ways to bridge the many divides, support one another as you support us, build communities, and bring more love and compassion into your creation. In the name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. The Gospel, according to Luke, reads, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so as we enter into our time of offering, I invite you to offer what you're able, so that your heart may be blessed with the joy of sharing 
your gifts. Our morning offering will now be received so that it might be shared with others and received again with love and gratitude.
I invite you to join me in the unison prayer of dedication. Oh God, in the midst of so much global anxiety and unrest, your Son, the Prince of Peace, comes. By what we offer and what we do, may we be bearers of your peace, your healing, your love, and your light. And may you bless us in all our giving and sharing according to your will for all. Amen. We have our scripture lesson, these uh, well-known words from the Gospel of Luke that are printed in your bulletins, and um, let us read them together, and as we do, just a couple of, of reading notes, uh, so you don't have to stumble over some, some words, uh, comes to Quirinius, being the governor of Syria, um, and that's a tough one sometimes, because it's in, it's in a, it is a different language, so it's Quirinius, and then the other one people stumble over a lot is uh, it's not swaddling clothes, it's swaddling cloths. They were strips of cloth and they wrapped the baby in cloth and so it was not an outfit. Um, that's what that was. So let's join together in these words. In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be enrolled. This was the first enrollment when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be enrolled, each to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be enrolled with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to be delivered, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And now may God bless our understanding and our living of this word of abundant life. Amen. So there's something I've been thinking about uh, lately for some odd reason, and that is kind of an odd question that we ask uh, and that we answer all the time, and that question is, how are you? And I think about that because I say, you know, I've been thinking in my mind, like, compared to what? Right? <laughs> how are you? I don't know. If I were sitting on a beach somewhere compared to that, being perfectly healthy and well-rested, or, uh, you know, if I have some upcoming surgery, or I just came out of surgery, is how am I, is it, uh, how am I doing the part that I have to go to surgery, or is it the part where I thank God that I'm living at a time where I can have surgery? And if I had cancer, and I talk with a lot of people about cancer, is it, is the how am I doing part the part about having cancer or that they can treat it? 
I, I talk with a lot of people who have terminal cancer, cancer and, and we get in these conversations of how bizarre it is sometimes the things you can be thankful for at different times in your life. By, and, and I talk with people with terminal cancer who are thankful because the results at the moment are better than hoped for. And that becomes genuinely happy. It's a wonderful time. So how are you? How are you? And compared to what? I'll tell you what got me thinking about this is that I was talking with a, a woman uh, just recently, um, not a church member, but we got in this conversation and she said, you know, this year, this year I, I want to feel the Christmas spirit. She said, you know, I don't feel like I've had that for the last few years. And I thought, that's kind of strange. You know, because from the outside, you know, she seems like a, she's a very spirited and optimistic person, which I think she generally is, and, and extremely blessed. Health, wealth, beauty, comfort, you know. But obviously something is missing, right? And it wasn't something that you could purchase or possess. It was non-material. You know, and her life had actually taken off so much that in these last few years, she rarely had, things were so good, she rarely had time to be part of her church family. She had new friends, she had new lifestyles, she had all the stuff and having to take time to take care of all the stuff. And in her own words, though, she said she didn't have the spirit. So what gives you the spirit of Christmas? What's the substance? How are you doing? So I'm thinking about that, and then I started thinking about a church member who is no longer with us, but Man, when he was alive, he was just an incredibly active part of our missions program. And, and some of you remember him. His name was George Vadas. And George made a huge impression on me. Because here was a man who, who lived a good, but he lived a modest life. He was not in finance. Or if you're making more money, I guess it's finance. So there's finance and then there's finance. <laughs> he was a great person and, and uh, I think he worked in a machine shop or something like that. After he retired though, his employer misused the company's retirement. Mm, lost everybody's retirement money. He did everything right, but it was all gone. But you know what? Somehow, George remained an incredibly positive, he remained an incredibly warm person, loving person, and he was modest but he was very generous. 
He gave to, to our work at the church and, and helping the people who we help. And he contributed all sorts of time. He would drive homeless people and people who are in need from our organizations, he would drive them around and help them to get clothes and help them to get food and drive, help drive them to interviews for jobs or to get housing. And George always said to me and said to many people, he said, you know what, Paul? A lot of people have it worse off than I do. And my God, he was downright cheery. And then in his 70s, I think it was in his 70s, he developed some leg problems. And it made, him it, made it tough to, to walk and to get around. But you know what? He kept serving people. Because that's who he was and that's what he did. And he kept giving generously to the church, helping the people that we help. And I bet he he must have said to me, seemed like about a hundred times, Paul, a lot of people have it a lot worse than I do. And then his leg problems got worse. And they turn into a big problem. And bottom line is, he had to have one of his legs amputated. And we talked about that, going into the surgery and the decision. And I was saying, you know, this is going to be rough. This is, a, this is a big deal. And, you know, you're an incredibly positive guy, but, you know, this is more than a bump in the road. And he said, you know, Paul, a lot of people have it a lot worse off than I do. And then he said, you know, there were guys in their 20s and 30s who fought in the Korean War. He fought in the Korean War. He said, guys in their 20s and 30s who lost both of their legs. He says, I've, I've had mine for 70 years. And I thought, you know, that's a great spirit to have when you're going into surgery. But there's going to be a fall sometime. After surgery, I walked into his room. His leg is not there. There's a space. And I said, this is a big stuff, George. I said, how are you? <laughs> See? And he says, I'm fine. I'm fine, Paul. He goes, yeah, how about you? How are the kids? <laughs> and I said, you know, I'm fine, kids are fine. I said, but I'm here to talk about you, right? And so he thinks and he reaches down and he actually pats the space where his leg used to be. And he thinks about it. And he says, I'm okay. And he goes through the Korean War thing again. Men in their 20s. And he goes through, again, thank God for the 70 years that he did have his leg. And I thought, my God, what does this guy have? And after that, I kept waiting for the other shoe to drop. This cannot last. But you know what? 
The shoe never dropped. It didn't through that. It didn't through his congestive heart failure. It didn't through him having to have oxygen, not through the infections that he got, not through his heart attack, not through the, the surgery that he had after his heart attack. People ask, how do you get the Christmas spirit? I think you find it that way. Because that's the way that, that Mary had the Christmas spirit. You find it that way, right in the midst of the manger, where Christ and his spirit literally came to life, right in the midst of the manger. It came to life with everything that led up to that and with everything that followed. Because nearly everything that we can think of when it comes to the Christmas spirit, the grace, the blessing, the comfort, the beauty, the joy, the peace, the glow around Christmas, it all has to do with how Mary and with how Jesus subsequently, throughout his whole life, lived the question of how are you? And he did that, and Mary did that in some very challenging times. And you look at what they focused on and what they didn't focus on. Some of you have heard me talk about the manger scene before. I intentionally go back, to, I'm intentionally going back to it today. I intentionally go back to it in my life because it contains one of the greatest secrets of how to build and maintain a wonderful life. And I think about this all the time. I think about it throughout the year. And it gives me strength, and it gives me peace, and it gives me wonderful direction. And it makes me think about what's really important in life. What to focus on and what not to focus on. So let's cut to the manger scene. We have this manger that I brought in. It's usually in our house in our narthex. It's um, Laura's grandmother made it. And her grandfather made the, the setting there. And I love it. I look at that. We set that up. And to me, it looks so darn cozy. I just want to crawl in. It does, right? I just, want, I just want to be a part of it. It's like safe. It's snuggly. It's warm. It's serene. Oh, I want to be in that calm space. I love, I love the way it sounds even in the words of scripture. I listen to these words and I read them. And I'm like, ah, beautiful. But what I realized a number of years ago is that that manger <laughs> is a lot more about messes and crises than beauty. And then I think, well, why don't we think about, you know, when we look at the manger and we think about it, why don't we think about the messes and the crises, but instead we focus on the beauty, the serenity, the peace. Why? Because Mary, giving birth to Christ in the midst of all the trouble, focused on Christ and not the chaos. 
she had such a laser focus that it was only on the love, it was only on the grace, it was only on the blessing. And there was plenty to choose from in terms of what to focus on. What was actually going on, she chose to focus on that, but what was going on was really, it was dangerous. It was unpleasant. It was, it was a frightening experience. You know, we think of it as a warm glow because, and it's because of how she transformed that crisis from tragedy into grace with her faith. And that's the manger scene. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be enrolled. And this was the first enrollment. And all went to be enrolled, each to his own city. You know, Mary and Joseph, they're just trying to have, they're just trying to get through life, have a normal life, difficult circumstances. Everybody had difficult circumstances then, but they were especially poor. And the government has power over them. You know, the government had power over everyone. They were living in occupied territory. They were, the Romans were occupying their land, the Palestinian territory. Caesar wants a census, so, so what does that mean? Everybody stops their life. Everybody has to, you have to leave what you're doing, you have to leave your job. Poor people who are barely making it, they have to stop making money. Leave your job, leave income, then they have to travel to the place where they were born. They have to finance their trip. They have to make the arrangements for lodging. Their lives and everything gets turned upside down, and it's a time of a turmoil. Why for Caesar Augustus? But then Mary, in the midst of all this, is at least eight months pregnant. They don't have car service. They don't, you can't get a, you're not going to get a waiver from Caesar Augustus. So it means you have to travel by foot or by donkey. And which is worse when you're eight months pregnant? <laughs> a couple of weeks ago in Israel, it was 89 degrees. It's 90 miles from Nazareth to Bethlehem over difficult terrain. So have you ever, even in your optimal times of health, have you ever taken a 90-mile hike? Ever? Over a week? How about while eight months pregnant? Now, the interesting thing is, isn't it interesting that we don't hear a word about the difficulty, do we? We don't hear a word about the harsh conditions, the temperature, how uncomfortable the sleeping was, can't bring enough water. There's no woe is me, there's just grace. And then Mary and Joseph, then they, then they make it to Bethlehem. And not surprisingly, everybody else beat them to it because it's not hard to beat an eight-month pregnant person. Accommodations are filled. No place to stay. Still no complaining. <laughs> because the drama for Mary and for our faith, the drama is not the centerpiece. So they stay in the place where the animals live. Ah, oh, the manger. 
we think how beautiful and charming. How are you doing? Have you ever stayed on the floor of a working barn, much less given birth in a working barn? The pungence of sheep and all that goes with it. The pungence of cows and all that goes with that. Goats, rodents, of course, and everything mixed with that, bacteria, smoke from the oil lamps. <laughs> and giving birth back then, it was frightening stuff, you know. No doctors, no anesthetic, no sutures, no pediatric ICU, just in case. You know, about 30% of infants back then didn't make it through their first year. You think that they didn't think about that? A mother had a one in 20 chance every time she gave birth of not making it. And then we know that right after Christ was born, shortly after Mary and Joseph, Jesus, they had to flee for their lives to Egypt. Why? Because Herod is paranoid. He kills all the babies in Bethlehem. And he's hunting down Jesus and his family. And so they flee as political refugees. They leave everything behind, penniless, homeless, hunted. And as we know, that was just the beginning. This is really the tip of the iceberg. So why does it feel so warm and cozy? Why does the manger fill my heart with peace and comfort and a spiritual glow with nothing that money can buy? Because that's what it's about. Nothing that money can buy. Faith made it that way. By focusing on Christ and not the chaos or the drama. It was into that scene and the way it was handled that literally, literally our faith was born. And what our faith says is we focus on what we choose to focus on. And we make of it what we make of it. And we do so this Christmas, and now, and forevermore. May the manger continue to be my guide, and I offer it to be your guide. And regardless of what the world throws at you, may you have a loving and very blessed Christmas and life. Now and forevermore. Merry Christmas. Thank you. God bless you.
as we go from this place after the meeting <laughs> into our lives of love and grace and beauty and challenge and light and comfort and strength and more challenges and more love. May we go with God's blessing in us and around us with all that we see, with all that we hear, with the words that we speak, with the love in our hearts, and with our helping hands that lift and embrace. May we do this this Christmas season and now and forevermore. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.